today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today that, God, you will touch our hearts. God, I thank you today that we've come in one way, but we're not going to leave the same. God, I thank you that we've had a time of 21 days of prayer and fast, and we've been praying for this moment, for this day, for the specific needs that are going to be met in this house today. And we thank you, God, that you are able to do so much more than we could ever even ask or even imagine, God, in our wildest dreams. God, you're greater, you're bigger, you're mightier than that. And God, we thank you for that and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Come on, high five two people around you and tell them this is your day. This is your day. This is your day. This is your moment. This is your time. Come on, we're ready to encounter God. We're ready to encounter God. Come on, I really pray as a result of this series, Encounter God, that you have stepped into a new life, that you have stepped out of the mundane. You know, 2017 for some was maybe good. But I'm telling you, even if it was good, I believe 2018 can be a whole lot better. And maybe some of you were so glad to leave that year because it was a lot of problems and hurts and pains. You've stepped into a new season for your life, a new opportunity to encounter God in a fresh and powerful way. And I pray that you have realized, every one of you, how possible that is for your life. That there's more of God, there's more to God that I can have. I can love his word like I've never done before. I can pray like I've, I can see the importance of relationships and connecting with other people, tithing and giving to God, worshiping God. I see all the importance of how important those things are for my life to encounter God in a new way. But you know what? Some of you maybe are still frustrated. Maybe you understand the concept and the application, but it's a struggle to live it every day. You've maybe developed new habits. You've become more focused. You're more committed. You're better organized. All those things are good. But I'm telling you right now, those things will only produce limited results. Limited results. And maybe this is your first time of hearing this today, Encounter God. What is this? Well, today, you can encounter God. This can be a new beginning for your life today. And what I want to do is I want to bring everything together if I could, through everything we've discussed on Sundays, everything we've discussed every night through our devotionals. Everything, let's bring it all together. Because here's the key, what I've realized, in anything in life, we have got to find the root cause. What's the root problem? We've got really good at treating symptoms. I said we've got good at treating the symptoms. We, 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 you know, we'll cut off a couple of leaves here and we'll trim this back. We've got to get down to the roots. We've got to ask ourselves, what is the catalyst? What is that which is going to help me to encounter God? What is holding me back from encountering God? What's the issue? What have I really got to be focused on? Because we've got to find the source. That's the title of our message today, the source of life. Can you say with me? The source of life. And what I've realized is this, the root condition, the root cause or the root problem is this, it's spiritual. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. I said it's a spiritual thing, even though it appears to be physical, even though it appears to be circumstantial, we are in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's the person sitting beside you. That's not your fight. Wives, you think your husband's your problem. Husbands, you think your wife's the problem. Kids, you think your parents. Parents think the kids. Well, sometimes is the kids. Anyway, but anyway, it's not a flesh and blood 
fight that we're in. That's not the wrestle. That's not the struggle. But that's often where we perceive the battle is. But the Bible says it's against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age. Spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, a whole lot of spiritual things are against our lives. And here's why. Why is that, Pastor? Because you are a spiritual being. God created us to be a spiritual being. Oh, we are living here right now and we are having an experience here on this earth, but our spirit will never die. And our spirit is either going to be in heaven with God in eternity or in hell because we are created to one day live forever. And so it's a spiritual battle. And that's why we've got to start looking spiritually first. And and I really want to say something as I say this. Don't become super spiritual. We've got some people that super spiritual. Everything's a devil. Everything's a demon. No, it's your bad choices and your lack of responsibility. Because just because we make it spiritual doesn't mean that now I'm out of control of it. Or woo No, you are still responsible in your life. But don't get so whacked out, super spiritual. I don't know about you, but super spiritual people kind of make me sick. <laughs> Everything, you know, we're praying about where we're going to eat today. We're praying about what we're going to wear today. Thank God for prayer. But maybe you'd be better off praying and asking God to change your heart so you wouldn't speak to that person in that way instead of wasting your prayer on what am I going to wear today. Just wear clothes. That would be good. Just wear clothes. Thank you. And, but be a part of that. But we've got to be very careful because there's not a devil and a demon around every corner. But the enemy is against us and he's opposed to us and he wants to crush our spirit. One of the things that I'll often say to people who are terminally ill, and I've had the privilege of being able to pray and talk to many people in that state. One of the things that I'll look at them and say is this, no matter the fight that you are facing physically, don't give up spiritually. Keep your spirit alive inside of you. Keep your spirit alive. And that's what we've got to have, no matter what we're facing in life. Everything is a spiritual attack against us. The Bible says we wrestle not against the flesh and blood. Remember, we can see in Corinthians, it talks about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We can't have a sword and a gun to fight these things. But the weapons are powerful. They are through God. They are in God to the pulling down of strongholds in our lives. John 10.10 says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you may have Life, But what type of life is really important too? Because he didn't just say, come and have a mere existence. He said, I have come that you may have life more abundantly. Too many of us are just barely making it. Too many of us are just like struggling every week. In some cases, we can't even make it to church because we're so defeated and deflated. God says that he wants us to live in an abundance of life. A surplus, that means. That means more than enough. Why? Not for waste, but God wants to give you more than what you need so you can share that and bring it to other people and give them what they need. Because you're the hope of the world, remember, that God has called you to do that. But you know what I've realized? And that is this. Not many of us are living like that. Not many of us are living in the abundance of God, in the fullness of God in our lives. We're saved and we're going to church. But we're not totally tapped in to the power source 
that God has for our lives. Have you ever seen on the learning TLC, the TLC channel, you've seen those housing things where they come in and they take this shack and, and they put people off to Disney for a while and they come in and they rebuild their house and they come back. Has anyone seen that? And they call it the Great Reveal. And they have this big truck or a big poster in front of their house and everyone stands there and they count down and then they go to a commercial break. And then you have to come back and, and, and then it go over it again and then all of a sudden. And what's the response most time that you see? Come on, show me. Wow. <gasps> wow. Here's what we're rolling back today. You ready? Here's the great reveal today. Here's the great reveal. You want to know what it is? Can I tell you? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that we need because if it's a spiritual battle, we need our spirit man to be renewed. We need our spirit man to be revitalized. We need the power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, what is the Holy Spirit's role to help you live life? The Holy Spirit wants to enable you to have that encounter that you've been desiring for, to see that miracle, the breakthroughs that you need. The Holy Ghost is that power that wants to come upon you. For what reason? So you shall be a witness to me. In other words, God's Holy Spirit wants to come to give me the power to live. To be a witness for Him every day. I want to be a witness for God in everything that I do. You see, when Jesus left this earth, these were His final words. He said, I'm not going to leave you alone. But He said, I'm going to send the Comforter. I'm going to send someone to come along. In other words, Jesus said, don't do life alone. Didn't we preach a message about that last week? Come on, turn to someone and say, get in a group, get in a group. You need to sign up. Why? Because we were not made to do life alone. Look what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit. He said in John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, I'll be the first one to say, I need help. I need help every day. I need help like hundreds of times during the day. You don't have to say amen to that. You can just say amen to your own problems. Don't be identifying mine. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, he's the Spirit of truth, who will proceed from the Father and he will testify of me. In other words, what he's saying is we're one. Because it's not really something different or separate that we are one. So I will give testimony. He's not going to contradict or come against anything Jesus said that I've said or what the Father has said. Because we are the same thing. You know the word spirit in the Bible, if you were to count, it's in there over 800 times. 800 times, to me, must be pretty important. If something is mentioned 800 plus times, there's something I need to grasp and I need to get. And in fact, there's two basic words for the word spirit in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the word used is roach. It's like got that throat sound to it. Rock, okay? And it means this, a violent, what? Exhalation, a burst of breath, or a strong wind. Okay, that's what it means. We see roach first mentioned in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 2, and it says this, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the roach, 
the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He was prepared. He was ready. He was engaged to go out and do the work that God the Father was going to send him to do. That breath, that burst of air. In the New Testament, there's another word, and the word for that is pneuma. Pneuma, spelt with a P, it's silent, but it's pneuma. And that means also a breath of wind, a current of air, or a strong breeze. See the parallel, two words, but the same meanings in these. A breath, life, breathing through those. We see this in John 6, 63. Jesus said these words, It is the spirit, the pneuma, which gives life. The flesh profits nothing, but the words I speak to you, they are pneuma. Say with me, breath. They are breath and they are life. So Old Testament, New Testament, spirit means breath, life, wind, refreshing. And for what purpose? The Spirit of God wants to breathe life into every area of your need. Come on, every area of your life right now. You came in here with a need today. Many have come because you're expecting to be prayed for. And we're going to pray for you. And we're believing for the Spirit, the breath of God, to breathe on your need. Whether it's physical, financial, in relationships, whatever it may be. We're believing the Spirit of God. Nothing weird and crazy. We're believing just that refreshing of God. That healing, that miracle, that power of God to come into your situation And turn it around. I want to talk, if I could, about wind. Because that's one of the best ways to define or to illustrate the Spirit of God. Because what we see in wind, in the natural characteristics, is also what we can see when it parallels spiritually to what the Holy Spirit does. And we have a problem many times because many of us are uncomfortable with things that we can't see and touch. And things that we can sense or just feel inside. We can get kind of nervy about those kind of things. But hold tight today because we're going to show you, I believe, the truth of the wind of God that wants to come into your life and change it. What do we know about wind? Number one, wind cannot be seen. Tell me what wind looks like. You can't. You're like, oh, I don't know, because no one does. You can't see wind, but you can see the effects of wind. You can feel the effects of wind. Why? Because you see it all around you. It's the same with God's Spirit. It's not something that can be seen, but it's something by faith that you can have. Did you realize that everything that we need from God has to come by faith? It's faith to have a relationship with Him. It takes faith to tithe. It takes faith to believe in the Holy Spirit. We have to have faith to have a relationship with God. We can't see the wind. We can't see the Spirit of God. But my God, we can feel it. We can experience it. And we can observe it in action. Acts 2, verse 1 through 4. One of those accounts where we see The effects of the Spirit, the wind of God. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared to them divided tongues of fire. One sat upon each of them. You know, you know why I love why it says that? Because it could have just said, and everyone was filled, but it said one sat upon each one of them. Why? Because you need to know that the Holy Spirit is for you too. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. No one was excluded. Everyone was a part of that. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, the breath of life, gave them utterance, came into them. They felt something. What was that? They sensed something. But listen, it didn't just leave them feeling something or sensing something. It left them completely changed. Completely changed forever. Maybe today... You've felt something. Maybe today you, you've stepped in and you've kind of felt something. You can't explain it. So many times I see people just weeping during worship. And you go up to them afterwards and they'll just say something like this. I just don't know what happened to me. I, 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 just, I, I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. But I, I just really felt something. You, you know that's our prayer for you. We pray every week. But specifically for 21 days. We've prayed that some people... If not, everyone here today comes in and feels something they've never felt before. And sends something that they've never had before. And one thing I realize is this. A lot of people don't preach about the Holy Spirit because they scare people away. They think people are going to be scared away. All that tongue talk and stuff. The Holy Spirit's a lot more than a crazy, what people say, tongue language. And let me tell you something about that crazy language. Can I? It's a heavenly prayer language. It's a, it's a language that God wants to give you. And, and it's not something that's freaked out crazy wild. But what I'm saying is this. What I've realized is this. People are drawn to it, Emma. They're, when there's a, a moving of God's spirit, people don't know what it is, but they're like drawn into it. I was watching something on um, live on Periscope, not Periscope, on Instagram the other Sunday, last Sunday, I was watching Jensen Franklin. They had a live prayer and worship service for an hour. And while they were going out live, all these people were commenting. And I was just reading the comments and kind of worshiping. And one guy came on. He's like, man, what is this? And you could tell the type of person he was. He wasn't saved and he was completely anti anything God. Man, this is a load of junk. This is rubbish. Man, what are you all doing? Man, you crazy fools. You look so stupid. What's up with it? And I'm thinking to myself, hold on a second. The Holy Spirit's grabbing a hold of this man. Because here's the deal. If it's crazy and stupid, why are you still on? Nothing's forcing you to stay. Nothing's begging you to stay. So why are you keeping coming back with stuff? Why? This guy couldn't figure out what was happening. So he wanted to ruffle some feathers and he wanted to see. But no matter what he put back, people said, it's the Spirit of God. We're praying for you, brother. And then he starts saying, I don't want to be saved. All of a sudden, he's realizing what's going on. But what I'm saying, isn't that amazing? If I don't like something, I'm turning it off. But there's something about that drawing presence of the power of God that will keep you and say, because here's what I realized. He couldn't get off of that. That's what I think. He wanted to get off, but he just couldn't because there was something in him that said, I need to go, but I've got to stay. I've got to stay. I don't know the end of that man's testimony. I don't know if he accepted Christ, but I know one thing. He saw something, felt something and experienced something that he will never forget. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, 
The Bible says he appeared many times to his disciples. And there was one particular time that he appeared to his disciples, and I love this, he really appeared to them because one of them was having a problem. Thomas was having a problem. He couldn't believe. He hadn't seen Jesus. Others had. And he couldn't grab a hold of that. He couldn't understand that. And in fact, Thomas says these words, John 20, 25, unless I see his hands and the prints of the nails, and I put my finger into the prints of the nails, and I put my hand into the side that was pierced, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. It's really amazing. Read it when you get home. It's like, all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the middle of them. I mean, Thomas has just said, I don't believe all that stuff. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, ah. And Jesus is there. And poor Thomas is called Doubting Thomas. Poor guy, you know. He doubted once maybe and he gets the rap for the rest of his life. But Jesus knew exactly what he was thinking. Jesus wasn't there when he said those words. But as soon as Jesus stepped into that room, he didn't say, what's up everyone? He looked at Thomas and he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. And look at my hands and put your finger here into my side. And he says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. He had a fresh revelation right there. That he wasn't just a Lord, he was a God. In verse 29, and Jesus said to him, and here's what I want you to hear today. He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. Come on, God calls you blessed if you believe in that which you haven't seen. But you know it, you feel it, you sense it. Why? You can't see it, but you can feel it. What else do we know about wind? Number two, it's unpredictable. You can't control wind. We try and we try to harness it, but wind is unpredictable. You've watched a football game before and they're talking, the commentators, they're talking about, man, the reason he missed that pass was because the wind is really swirling down in that stadium. It's probably 20, 30 mile gusts. And, and the, if you've ever played golf, you'll know that the wind can have a big effect on your golf game. In fact, I use that every time I play golf. Man, it sure is windy today. Sure is windy. Problem's the wind. It's the wind. It's the wind. But you know, that's like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in different ways. Nicodemus came to Jesus. You see, he's trying to figure out Jesus. And that's the problem, you see. We try to figure out with our minds something that we've got to receive with our heart. And he's trying to figure it all out. And he comes to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says these words to Nicodemus. He said, the wind blows. They translated spirit there as wind because that's what it is. But he says, the spirit or the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it has come from, and where it goes. And Jesus said, and Nicodemus, so is everyone who was born of the Spirit. Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He's got what he thinks a great grounding biblically of what God is and what he should be doing and how he should live a godly life. But the problem with Nicodemus was this. He wanted all the answers because he wanted to figure it all out for himself. Because he came to Jesus and asked the question. Come on, how can this happen? I don't understand. How can someone be born again? How can they go back? They go back into the womb. What happens? You see, he's trying to figure it all out academically, mentally. And I thought when I read that, that's so much like us. We want to take control, don't we? We want to figure it all out. We want to handle everything. We want to know 
what's happening. And I thought, man, look at our control. Where is it getting us? <laughs> it's not really a good thing whatsoever, our control. Because who are we fooling? Our control is taking us away. Why? Because look at this. Our control is often the main source of our problems. If we would just surrender, but yet we want control. Why is wind unpredictable? Why is the spirit represented as unpredictable? For this reason, God wants us to depend fully on him. He wants us to have faith in him. Think about when Jesus was here on this earth. Think about all the methods he used when he met the needs of people. To one man he spoke and he was healed. To another he sent and said, go and show yourself and they were healed. To another he touched. Someone else he spat in the ground. Remember that story? And he made clay and he put it on their arms to eyes so he smeared. There were so many different methods that what Jesus used. But why? Why, 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 why? Here, are you ready? Our focus needs to be on him and not the how. You see, what happens is this. If Jesus was predictable, then we would put our faith and trust in a system instead of the person of Jesus Christ. That's why those things. God's ways are not your ways. God's thoughts, the Bible says, are not your thoughts. And and I've come to peace with that. Can I tell you, I've come to peace with that. I'm thankful now for that, Doug. Why? Because if God's mind and thoughts are are better and higher and mightier than mine, that means he's a whole lot bigger than I am. And he's a whole lot more able than I am. So to receive all he has, we must get comfortable with the unexpected and the unpredictable. Chris Hodges makes this statement, and I think it's brilliant. He said, you're going to have to accept mystery as part of the relationship. Can't figure it all out, but God, I believe. When you can't figure out what you don't know, trust in what you do. God is God. God is faithful. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. God is love. God is peace and comfort. When we feel he's everything else, but remind ourselves of what he is. When we can't figure out why those things are taking place around us. Number three, wind is powerful. Unfortunately, many of us locally know the effects of wind. We've seen it tear the roofs off our houses, knock trees through our houses. Just different things. It can generate electricity. It can sail ships. It can destroy a city. Wind has power. God's spirit has power. Charles Finley, he was actually training to be an attorney, a lawyer, in the early 19th century. They say that Charles Finley probably personally himself led over half a million people to Christ in what is called the second great awakening of this nation. And while he was training to do something completely different, God's spirit came to him. He didn't know what it was, and he didn't understand what it was, but finally he gave in to it. And he says, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to give in. And here's what he writes later of that experience when finally he surrendered his heart to God. He said, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go right through me through my body and soul. I could feel the impressions like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Instead, it seemed just to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Wow. 
Don't focus on not knowing everything. Instead, focus on God's gift that he has given to your life, the source. We don't need more information. We need more power. I said we need more power of the Holy Spirit. Look at this statement. We don't need more inspiring words about God. We need the inspired presence of God's Spirit breathing life into every one of our lives. You see, the problem with an intellectual gospel is this. It always has the danger of creating a God who looks like us and who is our size. If we have to understand God before we will ever experience Him, then God can be no bigger than my brain. You want to know the reality of the Holy Spirit? Here it is. The Holy Spirit wants to be a friend like no other. He wants to be that friend like no other. And that's why the Holy Spirit is so opposed in our life. Why? Because Satan's desire is to present misconceptions because he wants you to be opposed to it. Why? So you won't engage in the power of God. Some of you right now are battling with that in your mind. Well, I've heard all about this and and I think it's all this. Well, I don't want to speak all that crazy stuff. It's a heavenly language. But it's power that wants. You know, when you read the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit did not come upon them to make them weird. The Holy Spirit came upon them to make them relevant. That they were then relevant to everyone around because people looked and said they're speaking our language. Our language. How long has the church spoke foreign to the world? It's time we start speaking the language of the world. Not mean that we're cursing and screaming and hollering but we're showing them the hope of God through our lives. The reality of God, that we're just sinners just like them, but we're saved by grace. Satan wants to keep you powerless. He wants us to be fearful of that which is your life source. Can I talk about Peter just for a second? Peter denies Christ three times, remember that? In fact, the last time... Peter, Peter denies Christ to a, a servant girl and he runs away. He's MIA. When Jesus needed him the most, he's tailed it out of there because someone said, you talk like him. You were with him. But his story doesn't end there because 50 days after the death and resurrection of Christ, 50 Pentecost, it's when Pentecost came, 50 days After that, Peter was with about 120 people in an upper room. What we read in Acts chapter 2. And the Spirit of God came upon him. Now, someone who was afraid in front of a servant girl is now standing before thousands of people and saying to them and boldly preaching the message of Christ. Peter would be imprisoned. Peter would be beaten. They would be mistreated. They were threatened, but never silenced. Why? Because now something was giving them a power that he never had before. What changed? The Holy Spirit. An experience with God changed his life forever. Come on, it's not freaky. It's not something you want to run away from. I believe the Holy Spirit is one of those things that we need to look and say, yes, please. Because everything that God has is good. And this is God. And it's good. And I want it. Come on, I said, I want it. 
And today I want you to rethink your assumptions about the Holy Spirit. Because if you look at the book of Acts, you would realize that God did not give His Spirit as an option, but He gave it as a necessity. He gave it as a lifeline to the Father. Because He speaks that He would be the one who would empower us to become what He created us to be. Paul shows up in Ephesus, look, and he finds some disciples and he says to them in Acts 19 verse 2, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Salvation experience separate. The Spirit leads us to a place of salvation, but now there's an experience we see outside of salvation. And they said to Paul, we have not so much heard of whether there is a Holy Spirit. So much like many Christians today, we are, what, unaware of everything that is available to us through God today. Some of us say, well, pastor, just pray for me. I just want my healing. Then what? Then what? Pastor, I just want this bill to be paid. Then what? There's other bills. There's other sicknesses. There's other things. Come on. We've got to get to the root cause. What do we need in our lives more than our need being met right now is we need the Father, the Son, And the Holy Spirit to be alive inside of every one of us. If you could just pick up your Bible today and act like it was the first time that you ever read it. With no preconceived ideas, no misconceptions about the Spirit of God. If you were to read it for the very first time, do you know what you would be convinced of? You would be convinced that you see the Holy Spirit from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You would be convinced that you see the Spirit of God moving in the entirety of the Word of, the, of God. In the Old Testament, you would see it in creation. You would see it move upon people's lives, such as David and Samson, that they did things beyond human strength. Why? Because the Spirit would come upon them and then leave them. That wasn't what God intended, but in the Old Testament, that's all He could do because man was still sinful and needed a Savior. And God could not perfectly anoint that that wasn't perfect and whole. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And we see that in the New Testament. We see John the Baptist. He's the forerunner of Christ. And he looked at everyone and said, hey, I can baptize you with water, but there's someone else who's coming after me. He's going to baptize you with fire. Come on, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then it goes on, Acts 10, look at this, 38. Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the power, or with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And then we would read in the epistles, the last books of the New Testament, how the Holy Spirit wants to enable us and help us to live life, to be a better parent, to be a better husband, wife. To be a better son, daughter. To be a better employer. To be a better citizen. Just to be a better person, period. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to be our friend. And He wants to bring comfort into our lives. What else do we know about the Holy Spirit quickly? Rena, if you could just fly through these with me. I'm going off my notes. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. What else do we know about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is an actual person. He's never referred to in the Bible as an it, but it's always as a him. Because he is not just a person, he's the person of God for your life right now. What else do we know about the Holy Spirit? He's not weird. People are weird. But the Holy Spirit is not. 
Come on. He, he wants you to embrace every part. He wants to access, have access to every part of your life. And the enemy knows the power that it will bring to your life. And what else do we know about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is your friend. Your friend. What's the benefit of a friendship? Have you ever had a friend? A really good friend? Come on, a lot of people, you'll stand up and say, I'm the man or woman I am today because of the friends I have around me. Thank God for my friends. Thank God that they were a good friend to me. And what does the friendship of the Holy Spirit want to do in your life? Look at this. The Holy Spirit wants to be the counselor. He wants to lead you and guide you and help you. There's a scripture for that. Take it down. He wants to be that witness in your life. What does it mean? He wants to enable you to be that effective witness to other people around. He wants to convict you. I want to be around people in my life that are going to pinpoint those areas. That's what the Holy Spirit, the best friend, the source of my life, He wants to do. He wants to convict me of those areas. He wants to give me guidance. He doesn't want me to stumble and fall. He makes a pathway for me to follow. And there's so many other things that the Holy Spirit is for your life. But I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit, He's God, He's your life, and He's your friend. And the Holy Spirit is that breath of fresh air that you need to have a fresh encounter with God. Oh, can you make it to heaven without the Holy Spirit? You sure can. Because only salvation is required. But I'm telling you right now, if you want an easier walk, if you want the power of God to enable you and help you to be that effective witness that you need to be on this earth, we need the source. We need the source of life. The great reveal today. Come on. The great reveal today. Wow. Why does it have to be this, Pastor? Why can't it be something that I don't have to struggle with? Why does it have to be this? Because it's the power of God. I didn't write the book. I didn't give the gifts. But I'm telling you, a part of them and living them, I love it. I love the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do. One last scripture today. Band, you can come back. Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. A lot of you know Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, God says. Not to bring you down, but to have a hope and to have a future. But notice what it says. God says, I have a plan for your life. And why is that plan? The plan for your life is so then you'll realize that then you will call on me. And you will come and pray to me. And notice this. And I will listen to you. Because you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Come on, today he says, I'll listen to you. Come on, what's the prayer that we have from our hearts today? What is the need that we have in our lives? What needs breath into our lives? Come on, what physically needs the breath of God? What healing there needs? What mentally needs the breath? Emotionally, in relations, financially, spiritually. What needs the breath of God upon your life today? Because I'm telling you right now, we're going to pray in a few moments and believe that His Holy Spirit is going to touch your life. Just bow your heads all over this place.